Good morning. It is wonderful to be together this morning. I'm so glad to see you and uh, and to be here with you, to sing with you, and and study with you, and pray with you, and honor our God together. I'd like to begin our studies together by turning to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Here in 1 Corinthians 10 and about verse 6, Paul writes to the Corinthians and he's, he's referencing the Old Testament accounts about the Israelites especially. And he says concerning those accounts and concerning the things that happened, he says these things happened as examples for us so that we would not crave evil things as they also craved. And he goes down the line and, and speaks of things that they had done, mistakes that they had made. And in verse 11 he says, Now these things happened to them as an example, and they were written for our instruction upon whom the ends of the ages have come. And some have wondered, why do we even have the Old Testament? Why are those, uh, those accounts there? This is one of the reasons. It's because it instructs us. It helps us to understand the mistakes that were made before in, in human dealings with God and how to correct them. But at the same time that we see their shortcomings, we also see moments of triumph. Moments when they did what was right. And we can learn to imitate that. And last week we began a, a, a two-part series where we looked at some examples to imitate. Some people who had moments of triumph even in very difficult circumstances. And we talked about David who was faithful in tragedy who although his child had passed away, his little infant boy, he praised God and continued to worship Him and glorify Him. And we looked at faithfulness in parenting with Hannah, the mother of Samuel, and Jochebed, Moses' mother, and how they raised their children. We looked at faithfulness in evangelism. We looked at the apostles and we looked at Ananias. Remember Ananias who went to Saul of Tarsus, the one whom he feared. Even, even perhaps for his own life. But he spread the gospel to him because it was what the Lord desired for him to do. This morning we're going to continue looking at, at some of these moments of triumph. And we're going to imitate them. We're going to learn from them and grow through them. And so I want to begin this morning looking at faithfulness, sincere faithfulness in forgiveness. Let's turn back to the book of Genesis chapter 45. Genesis chapter 45, and we're going to look at Joseph together. And Joseph's story actually begins in chapter 37 of Genesis, where he was well loved by his father, and his brothers were jealous of him. And so his brothers threw him in a pit. And you'll notice in Genesis 37, if you read there, that, that his brothers threw him in a pit, and then they sat down and they ate, ate a meal together. No conscience. No remorse. They threw him in a pit, and there he stayed until they sold him into slavery, and he was taken to Egypt. And there, Joseph endured a great deal of mistreatment. He ended up in prison on false accusation, and was left there for years until he was brought to rule Egypt with Pharaoh as the only one with more power than him. And then his brothers came calling. These brothers who had thrown him in the pit 
And in Genesis chapter 45, if you turn over there, Genesis 45 and verse 1, the time has come for Joseph to reveal himself to his brothers who have come to him, kneeling before him, great famine in the land, begging for help. Joseph in Genesis 45 says, Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. And he cried, Have, have everyone go out from me. So there was no man with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. He wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard it, and the household of Pharaoh heard of it. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I'm Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. And then Joseph said to his brothers, Please come closer to me. And they came closer, and he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. Now do not be grieved or angry with yourselves, because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant in the earth and to keep you alive by a great deliverance. Now, therefore, it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his household and ruler over all the land of Egypt. And so he tells his brothers to go and gather their father and come and he will let them live in the land of Goshen. Even while Joseph had not seen his brothers all those years, he made peace with them. And this is something that we must do. Even when someone wrongs you and you haven't seen them or heard from them in many years, it's important that we make peace and forgive them from our hearts. That our attitude is not one of grudge holding. So that when we see them, that meeting may be like Genesis 45. With weeping, with Forgiveness with joy and with blessing. And I think we can learn a great deal from Joseph who looked at the bad things that had happened in his life. Looked at the difficult and abusive circumstances he was in. And trusted God. Trusted God to provide a good way. And as he started to see the culmination of those things, it seems it all became very clear to him that God had a plan all the way through as long as he would maintain his faithfulness. Faithfulness in forgiveness. Are you having a difficult time letting go of a grudge? Romans chapter 12. Let's turn over there together. Romans chapter 12, and let's start reading about verse 14. Romans chapter 12 and verse 14. Paul writes to those Christians and he says, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. 
Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Those inspired words written by the hand of Paul are exactly the things that Joseph did so long ago in the Old Testament. And it's what we ought to do whenever we are wronged, whenever we're persecuted. We ought to do right and good and bless those who are a persecutor to us. Joseph shows us that good way. God shows us that good way. Compassion and kindness go a long way in helping you let go of a grudge. Follow Joseph's example. Let's talk about faithfulness in loyalty. Let's turn back to Joshua chapter 2. Joshua chapter 2. And here we find the invasion of a city. Joshua chapter 2. The city is Jericho. The walls are very strong. Joshua chapter 2. There have been spies sent in to Jericho. Joshua sent them in. And they have come across a woman by the name of Rahab. And in verse 9, she says to these men, who are spies from the camp of Israel, spying out Jericho. Joshua 2 verse 9, she said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land, and that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land have melted away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. When we heard it, our hearts melted, and no courage remained in any man any longer because of you. For the Lord your God, He is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. Now therefore, please swear to me by the Lord, since I have dealt kindly with you, that you also will deal kindly with my father's household, and give me a pledge of truth, and spare my father and my mother and my brothers and my sisters with all who belong to them, and deliver our lives from death. And so the men said to her, Our life for yours, if you do not tell this business of ours. And it shall come about that when the Lord gives us the land, that we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. She let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was on the city wall, so that she was living on the wall. She said to them, go to the hill country so that the pursuers will not happen upon you and hide yourselves there for three days until the pursuers return, and afterward you may go on your way. The men said to her, we shall be free from this oath to you which you have made us swear, unless when we come into the land you tie this cord of scarlet thread 
in the window through which you let us down and gather to yourself in the house your father and your mother and your brothers and all your father's household. It shall come to pass that anyone who goes out of the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head and we shall be free. But anyone who's with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head if a hand is laid on him. So she continues on and makes this oath with him. She was sincerely faithful in loyalty as she betrayed the city in which she lived. She understood something about God that we need to recognize. And that is that God is great. God is the ruler. God is the ruler not just of heaven above but of earth below. And when His will is stated... It is carried out. She trusted in the Lord. She was loyal to Him first. And as we read that account, you find the walls of Jericho falling down. But everyone in Rahab's house was safe. It almost seems as though all the walls fell down and then Rahab's house would have been the only part of it left standing where she lived on the wall. Everyone safe. Sometimes doing what's right means that everything comes crashing down around you. Your life may be completely uprooted. Your business may fail. You may be required to let go of people you cared about. But we need to remember, as Rahab remembered, the mighty deeds of the Lord. How He provides for and blesses those who maintain their faithfulness to Him. Place your loyalty first to God and to His people. Imitate the example of Rahab. Next is Lydia. Let's look at Acts 16, verses 14 and 15. Acts 16, verses 14 and 15. Here we find a wealthy woman, woman of prominence. Acts chapter 16, verses 14 and 15. There we read a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple fabrics, a worshiper of God was listening And the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her household had been baptized, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. She was the first convert in Philippi, and she housed Paul and his companions while they taught. Sharing your blessings is one of the greatest ways to work for the Lord. It's one of the greatest ways to be loyal to Him. Allowing God to bless other people through your generosity is an act of righteousness and is pleasing in the sight of God. And He will reward you in eternity with rewards that are far greater than the blessings which you have given to others. If you're struggling to be generous toward your fellow Christians, imitate Lydia and remember the teaching of 1 Timothy chapter 6. Let's turn over there. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 through 19. Here, Paul writes to Timothy, and he instructs him about what to say to those who are rich in this world. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 says, Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. 
Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. Generosity. Generosity is the example of Lydia. She was loyal to the church, loyal to those spreading the gospel by her generosity. And the last thing we'll look at this morning, the last example of sincere faithfulness is one in correction. Sincere faithfulness in correction. Let's turn to Acts 18. Acts 18. In Acts chapter 18, around verse 24, you find a man named Apollos, and he's described as a Jew, as an Alexandrian by birth, says he's an eloquent man. That means he spoke real good. And he came to Ephesus and he was mighty in the scriptures. But he didn't know everything that there was to know about them either. And that's important to recognize. It says, verse 25, This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he was speaking and teaching accurately the things concerning Jesus, being acquainted only with the baptism of John. So he was teaching about Jesus, teaching about his life, teaching about all the good that he'd done, and, and all these things, but he, he was still teaching what John taught about baptism. He didn't know about baptism in the name of Christ. And so, verse 26, he began to speak out boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. That one half of a verse where they took him aside and explained the way of God more accurately to him is... Powerful, meaningful. It instructs us about how we ought to correct everyone. Sometimes you come in contact with preachers and elders and teachers with lots and lots of years of study under their belt. And it's intimidating to approach them. It's intimidating to approach them especially if you believe they're not teaching all the truth of the gospel. I don't know if you've had that experience, but it's, it causes a sense of dread to come over you in many instances. But Aquila and Priscilla, this husband and wife, they show us how to approach and correct effectively, privately, with concern for the soul, as a friend, and in our case, member of the Lord's body who's trying to help. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 24. This is a passage. Sorry, 2 Timothy 2.24. There's not a 1 Timothy 2.24. You can look for it. If it's there, you let me know. 2 Timothy 2, verse 24. Paul again writing to this young Timothy. Telling him about how to correct people. 
I want you to listen to this because it's exactly what Aquila and Priscilla did and it's exactly what we ought to do. He says the Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome. That is, don't start fights just to start fights. But be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition. If perhaps God may grant them the repentance leading to the knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. Do you hear the way that this apostle, the way really that God views those brethren who are teaching and practicing what is incorrect scripturally? He sees them as those who are captive, those who are in need of rescue. Those who are in need of being set free from the snare of the devil. You imagine a a bear trap that's sitting out in the woods and a, a person runs into it and gets their legs caught up in it. They're ensnared. That's what the devil has done. He has presented and laid out traps for us. And every now and again we will get caught in them. And it's our job as brethren to approach each other this way. Not just to fight, but kind, gently correcting. Because repentance may be gained. That's the goal. There are some who wear the name Christian. Who when a a brother is found practicing or teaching what's wrong. They make it their goal to as publicly as possible, slander his name and tear his reputation to pieces and to puff themselves up through that process, making you understand how right they are and how wrong the other person is without a single concern for the soul. Social media is the worst place to correct someone unless you do it in that very private setting. I see far too many offering bold and stern and angry correction on social media. We need to be ever so careful about the words that are typed out by our fingers on those websites. Be careful. Imitate Aquila and Priscilla and be sincerely faithful to God as you correct. Do so in a way that will gain a soul not in a way that makes you look good. If you've got some common ground with even one of these examples, my hope is that you will bind their faithfulness to your own character and that you will commit to living sincerely, faithfully to God the way that they did and never settle for just a shell of godliness. Last week we began by reading a passage in 2 Timothy chapter 3 which speaks of those who would come. And in verse 5 it says that they would hold to a form of godliness but they would deny its power. The power is that the shell is to be filled with what it looks like on the outside. The power of godliness is the change that happens inside you. Don't deny God the power to change you from the inside. Fill the shell. Don't leave it empty. Be sincere toward God in tragedy like David and like Job. 
Be sincere toward God in your parenting like Hannah and Jochebed. Be sincere toward God in evangelism like the apostles and Ananias. And be sincere toward God in forgiveness like Joseph. Be sincere toward God in your loyalties like Rahab and like Lydia. And be sincere toward God in the correction of the saints like Priscilla and Aquila. Let's adopt these good traits and imitate these triumphant examples in the scriptures and bind their faithfulness to ours. This morning, if you are here and you have not obeyed the gospel, this is a time when that opportunity is made available to you. Jesus Christ is the Son of God and He came to earth. He lived perfectly. He's the only one who ever did it. And because of that, He was the perfect sacrifice for our sins. He paid the debt of our sins. He, he took the consequence of what we've done. And he died, and he was buried, and then he rose again on the third day, and now has ascended back to heaven, and is sitting at the right hand of the Father. If you believe that, and you're ready to change your life to match what he teaches, to match what his word presents to you, that's repentance. And if you'll repent of your sins and confess Jesus as Lord before us, and we will baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit for the remission of your sins. And you'll be raised to new life. New life created by God. A clean spiritual slate. And you'll be a member of His church because He will have added you to it. This morning, if that is your need, we're ready to serve you. And if this morning you're a Christian who has another need of a spiritual sort, we're here to help you and strengthen you and pray with you and do everything within our power to help you walk in the light. So if you have a spiritual need this morning, this is the time to make it known by coming forward as we stand and sing.